0: State of Mind, myself Owen Harrison, Jeff Neville and Tom Savage. This is a podcast focused on all four Irish provincial sides about the ORC and European competitions. We discussed what happened the previous weekend, what we can expect from each province in their upcoming games, as well as any major off-field news. Now, before we get into it, uh, on Saturday, I was in town and I was stopped by a random stranger who asked me if I was that, and I quote, weird lad from Provincial State of Mind podcast. <clears throat> I replied that he'd obviously mixed me up with Tom or Jeff. You know, that was quite obvious at that point. So. <laughs> but what he really wanted to know was what band plays our fantastic intro music. The answer, of course, is Schilling. And for any fans of the band, um, similar to the very real and totally not made up random stranger I met on Saturday, Schilling are playing gigs in Dolan's, in Limerick on Sunday, July 3rd, Whelan's Dublin, Sunday, July 10th, and Clears Theatre in Kilkenny on Friday, July 22nd. So that's Dolan Limerick's July 3rd, Whelan's July 10th, and Clears Theatre in Kilkenny on July 22nd. Make sure to visit shilling.com for full details and give them a follow on social media as well. So, Tom, what have you been doing this week?
1: I I think I bumped into you up and up and up.
0: Uh, thanks for for burying me there (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Pringle's false mustache
1: Uh, I I had quite enough all weekend I was down on the beach um, it rained for like 3 or 4 days straight misted I got into the water still there was a a game on it didn't make me very happy that game I was like I don't like this so I just didn't think about it for, for days and days even though I had work to do about it so I was just like Nah, not going to do it. Um, But I ended up having uh seafood soup for the first time, which I was a little bit trepidatious about because it's very vague when you think about it.
2: You mean chowder?
1: No, it said seafood soup. It didn't say chowder. It was seafood soup. It said it was just very vague. Seafood could be anything in there. But I had it and it was nice. I'm pretty sure there was a prawn in there. Can't be sure, but... In general, it was quite nice. Um, I also paid fucking €7.50 for a beer in this restaurant. Seven fifty for a bottle of beer. I'm very tight, lads, and it hurt me very dearly. It hurt me. Um, oh, I also had a, a kind of a, an Aldi barbecue chicken pizza just there before we started recording, and it wasn't very nice. So tell that to that guy next time you're inside there. You're laundering money through through revolution. Just tell him.
0: That's little With man. That, little? That's little. Aldi's the competition. We're oh, all god. Good. oh god!
1: Oh god! I blew it. I blew the sponsorship deal already. Fuck! <laughs> Shit! You can't launder money. In, launder money in little. Sorry. Only in Aldi. Fuck Aldi.
0: <laughs> Unless they want sponsors. at which point we in which track case that statement. <laughs> yeah. In
1: which case we we launder your money. It's totally fine. <laughs>
2: Jeff, what have you been up to this week? Um, I had a busy week. I had um, a work due and then I had my best friend's wedding. So we were gone for a couple of days there as well. You can probably hear it in my voice. I'm pretty much just dead behind the eyes. Um, I had to ask Tom as well, would he edit this episode? Well, edit, this is a strong word. Would he put this episode up? Because... I just can't
1: Anything wait. would 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 mean that we have to go back and listen to it again
2: and chop stuff yeah. out
1: for us. Like that's not happening.
2: Um, so yeah, no, I was just at a, a, my best friend's wedding. So a bit dead behind the eyes. Uh, a, lot, a lot actually happened um, since I watched the rugby at the weekend. If I'm honest with you, so I'm kind of like, it, do, do you know in those weeks that it just feels like a very long week? And you're like, that can't be three, four days ago. That that was at least two weeks ago. Like, but that's where I am now. But uh, I have a, I have a funny story for you actually. At the, at the wedding at day two, and when this happened, I actually turned to your man who, who, who said it like, and I was like, that this is what I'm going to talk about on the podcast. And he was like, please don't. And I was like, no, no way. So we were playing this game, myself and two of the boys, and we only played three rounds of it. Um, because, you know, drink responsibly and all that, but also because it is a fucking horrible game. But what you do is you go up to one person and you say, name a shot. And then you go up to someone else and you say, name a mixer. And that's your drink. But you do it for the other people, if you know what I mean. So you could just, you could look out, don't get me wrong. But like 99% of the time, it does not work out. So we did three rounds of it. But on the third goal, it was my goal. And I went up to someone and I said, name a shot. And they said, Kahlua, which I don't know if coffee you've ever. Li-
1: coffee liqueur. Yeah.
2: But like, I mean, how was that their go-to? Do you know that number one? Mm-hmm. Like, that was my first thought. But then I was like, actually, do you know what? This could go well. You know, So anyway, I looked across the bar And there was a fella He listens to this podcast I won't say his real name But everyone calls him Boom So anyone who knows him Will know exactly who I'm on About now But anyway I Saw Boom and he went At the other side of the bar And I says I'll ask him now about the mixer So I goes over And I goes Boom Name a mixer there for me and he goes what And I goes name a mixer Any mixer at all And he looks me dead in the eye And he goes cement <laughs> Just turned I looked him dead in the eye <laughs> Just walked away <laughs>
1: Uh, oh for god's sake yeah
2: cement so i mean it was a good one it was a very good one um but uh no other than that no just trying to get back into the land of the living i suppose like how are you on
0: i'm good i'm good i had a fairly quiet bank holiday weekend um couldn't do too much i'm um, you on gonna... went to the uh local sort of farmer's market on Sunday and they had a dog show so um
1: did you buy a dog
0: no we uh what you got brought the little puppy that we have Well, nearly one year old pup and uh, she got a little rosette God knows for what but she got it so my daughter was delighted um, so that was uh, highlight of our weekend nothing daughter, more
2: exciting did your daughter have a fight this weekend
0: no uh, she. I heard, I heard uh, she was I
2: heard she was in training for one or we loud talk about the fights that's
0: the uh, yeah ah look yeah I think we're we're good now um I'm I'm considering opening up my own gym like a, a UFC gym like I think I I've, I've now started what you got? I'm also training apart from the the sort of the under tens I'm now training minors and senior level so I'm con- expanding out the gym making it full time getting getting hard
1: getting six month old babies getting them
2: into the getting them ready to start scrapping with each other you just want to yeah. see that That's what you want though. You want to see that pathway for these young children fighters. Academy structures
1: getting them in place
2: early. Yeah, you see, you know, they can't can't see, see can't be. (laughs) They see see the seniors and they're like, you know what? One day I can be there. (laughs) One day, one day I can box the head
1: off other children, like my seven-year-old sister.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Practicing the chokeholds. (laughs) And the half Nelson and thing, yeah. I, I, I think I might have to do a sort of a, a crowd uh, crowdfunding uh, for a, a gym sort of expand out you know what
2: thinking, I'm still thinking back to Tom's seafood soup and what restaurant decides to put the word seafood soup together on a menu it just sounds rotten it's I mean, well, it, it sounds like fish water
1: it's it was actually very nice and again I saw it, seafood soup and I was just like do you know what live a little do you know what I'm having too good a day I'll take live that live a little Seafood soup? What's in it? What's seafood? Who cares? It's just seafood. Who knows what's in here? <laughs> and Meat it was nice. broth. <laughs> it was actually very nice. But they, I think they should have probably called it chowder, but you know what?
2: They know best. Oh, was it Was it creamy? Like, was it white? Like, was it
1: chowder? It, 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 it was white, but it was definitely, it did not say chowder. It said seafood soup. <laughs>
2: what a weird... I reckon
0: that's that. someone who was struggling to spell chowder. Um, maybe. <laughs>
1: maybe but like i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed it i'm just glad that there wasn't any crab in there cuz near the, where i was staying there's like a kind of a big pier and they they do you, do you fish for crab or do you hunt crab <laughs> i'm not oh, sure
2: you, you fish for crab and pots.
1: yeah so like they, they were they were dragging in a whole bunch of crabs and uh, there's loads of these crabs left around afterwards you know cuz again they want them alive they don't want dead crabs in their box so they were throwing out the dead crabs
2: And uh, because usually usually you'd kill the crab and just take the claws off, and you you wouldn't bring back the crab itself, just claws. They were
1: bringing it in, and like they had all these crabs in a big 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 old box. And uh, when they were putting them down there, um, you just get a just get a a real sense of first of all just how disgusting crabs look, uh, from the bottom, from underneath, like fucking rotten, absolutely rotten.
2: I don't think any fish or any any animal really when you look at it when you look at it from the bottom.
1: It doesn't look great. It's same for every mammal. Do you ever see a parrot from underneath? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. That's a that's a fine looking bottom side of a parrot. Thereby, that's unreal. Um, but yeah, I know. Looking at it, it was just um, yeah. I was I was kind of I hope now there's not any of them there because once again I heard bright green lung on a crab. No, thank you. Very good. Do you know what? (laughs) Last week, I quite liked talking about rugby, but this week. I don't. That's weird, I'm, isn't
2: it? I'm indifferent at best. Like I, if I, but I think I'm indifferent about everything today.
1: Yeah, like if you, like if, if this was a video podcast, now you literally just there's like there's just this air of doom over Jeff. At
0: the moment. It's just, <laughs> All it's like, missing is a cloud, sort of raining slightly over his head. If yeah. this If
2: this was the live one we did not so long ago, I actually I actually think I'd have to apologize and not show up you know that kind of way? I think you know, it would be better for everyone. That's better for the, all involved. That's the level of shook that Jeff is at the moment. <sighs> I'm fucking. fucking I'm, ha- I'm haunted. Shook. I didn't even mean to curse there. I try not to curse. It's just.
1: By the way, just... I I, I, re- I woke up the other day after um two cans of beer and a can of cider with a bit of a hangover, if
2: you can fucking believe it. That's middle age, man. That's middle age for you now. Uh,
1: Imagine waking up now. ropey after that.
2: 18 no. year old you is <laughs> looking at you going, you're weak. He's like
0: like, why are you bald? <laughs> I'm getting hung over on three cans.
1: How did that happen? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh God! I suppose we do have to talk about fucking rugby.
0: Yeah, we do. Well, look, let, look. We'll, oh. we'll start with we we'll start with Leinster against Glasgow, and um, so that ended up 76-14 a twelve try. Route for Leinster. Um well,
2: and what an absolute slaughter. That it was,
0: yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, <clears throat> so bad, in fact, that it was announced post-match that Danny Wilson and Glasgow had parted ways due to unacceptable results.
1: They don't, they don't have to walk on.
0: I'd say he <laughs> yeah, he wasn't allowed back on the bus. Um Glasgow had lost their last five matches in a row and missed out on a Champions Cup slot despite being in the top four in the league
2: for most of the season. Um, what, what I'd like to say about Wilson there, sorry, Owen, just, I'm, I don't mean to cut across you there, but like he's been let go because of unacceptable results. There is What was the score? 76-14. 14, right? yeah. yeah. There is no way that he is to blame for all those 76 points. No. Like, I know, I know it's his head on the line here. I get it. And I know how professional sports work. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, at what stage are they looking at the players and saying, how did you concede 76 points in a quarterfinal?
0: Well, and look, we, can, we might come on to this later on as well. <clears throat> you can change the coach and get a response, a different response and a yeah. different reaction. You can't go and change 40 players.
2: Oh, I I know that. But, like, what I'm saying is, you know, like Glasgow, whatever the the powers that be, look at it and go, you're to blame for these poor results. Like, don't get me wrong. To be honest, as well, though. There's a percentage there, like, but.
1: I think they needed to do something because supposedly, and this is only, I'm just picking up bits and pieces of this from my timeline, that Glasgow fans in general aren't happy. And there were some people who were kind of saying, why are we paying our season ticket? And uh when you start fucking with the money, lads start making big decisions. Lads <laughs> panic, that, yeah, don't they? Yeah. That they're seen like is in uh, but again, like I wouldn't like to be going looking for a coach now.
2: Like, cause this is oh, not no. a this is,
1: this is not a planned departure. Like this is a fucking awful. Look, off look time how hard play.
2: it was. Look how hard it was for Munster find. I'm not saying they settled for entry. I'm not saying that at all. Like, but I mean it's one year to a rugby world cup. And, and even a lot, then, a lot of like, coaches are probably signed up till aft or till just after that World Cup, like,
1: yeah, look. And, and even then, like, people were telling me that months were going looking for a coach at a bad time, but like, this is the worst time, yeah. looking, <laughs> like, but you know, who knows, like, they might get somebody good, but because again, I think, like, they, they didn't they get Dave Rennie not so long ago? Um, yeah, so he he was stepped sort of, up a, to the mas- national side, yeah. a, a great hire at the time, you know, but like. Yeah, it's very weird. Uh, it's just one of those things where I think they kind of had to do something um, to try and placate fans a small bit, especially after a defeat like that where there's nothing positive to say coming away from it. It's just like,
2: you blew it's it. Embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, and like, don't get me wrong, Leinster were very good. But I think I said this on the day as well, like Leinster were also made to look exceptional by a team that were just pants. Yeah, like, it, it, looked like, it
1: looked
0: like Glasgow jacked it in a small bit. Well, to be honest with you, like the the game was decided by the the two yellow cards. It was two yellow cards, and in that twenty minutes, it was six tries and forty points conceded.
2: Forty points! Jesus Christ! Right. So forty points (laughs) in twenty minutes.
0: Three three tries in each of the yellow card periods.
2: (laughs) Shit. I didn't see this game. <laughs> I, did, I, I did see it, but I didn't kind of count it up that way. Do you know that kind of way? Like, I just kind of, well, I suppose I can't count that high that fast either. Like, but Jesus Christ, 40 points in 20 minutes is shocking.
1: It's strange I mean, though how Leinster's hangover only lasted, uh, what, 10 minutes to the first half? Strange how that worked.
2: Yeah, straight back it's- in. Boom, boom, boom.
1: They had a bit of a ropey start because I was like, I was kind of keeping an eye. Because again, something about this week of rugby just kind of just just threw me off a small bit. I don't know what it was. But I was just like keeping an eye to score. And I was just like, Leinster have conceded tries early. This is bad news from Munster because we don't want them losing this. um And then I saw it and I checked in and it afterwards was just like, oh, 70 fucking something, 14. All right. (laughs) Grand job.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, Leinster, Leinster were ruthless. They they literally just walked through them um, time and time again. They absolutely put the foot in the throat for the yellow car or for the yellow card periods. But other than that, I don't think there was anything too fancy from Leinster. I don't think they Leinster actually played particularly well, despite scoring twelve tries. They just were very efficient at what they did. Um, Does this though?
1: like, does this result and the performance, I suppose, kind of put a bit of an owl make a bit of a bollocks of the whole Shield system, given that Glasgow are where they are because they were essentially getting, like, two games against, you know, a Benetton side that are kind of in a transition. Zebrae, who are one of the worst teams in the competition, and Edinburgh, who are kind of no real great shakes themselves either at the moment. Like, does this, is this quarterfinal not a sort of an indictment that the Shield system has kind of thrown in certainly in Glasgow's case, a side that didn't really deserve to be there.
2: Weren't Glasgow there, though, anyway, because they just finished eighth. Like, I know what oh, you're no, but, about the shield, but, but, but like... It... But they,
1: they would have been playing Zebra twice, whereas... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, whereas, oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my beloved Monster, but I only played them once.
2: <laughs> like, that they got a little bit of a buff out of the, the shield that they were in. But yeah, I suppose that's fair. But, like, I mean, you'd...
0: You could argue the same thing for the Welsh
2: yeah, like, you know, Yeah. They're, they're, they're all playing
0: other all Welsh sides. so <laughs> they're, all, they're all playing other weak sides. <laughs>
2: I think what impressed me most about Leinster is, you know, when a game breaks up and a team is well ahead and it's obvious that the result isn't in question or the win isn't in question, just the result. And the game can sometimes break up because you're, you're just kind of playing. Does that make sense? Like you kind of yeah. leave your framework, you leave your structure, you just kind of go off and you're like, sure, I'll throw this pass or I'll put this kick through. Sure, we're having a bit of the crack here. Like Leinster just like completely stuck to their straw. And I know there was a couple of intercepts and stuff, but like f- for the whole game, just structure, structure, structure. And they were like, while they were relentless in their, I suppose, execution and everything like that. And at no point did it kind of take the foot off the pedal they were just relentless in their structure and framework too, which is something that yes, they won by what was the points difference there? I'm having a bad day. 62 points, Mets. right? Whew. So the 62 yeah. point difference there, like, yeah, obviously the coach and staff would be chuffed with that. Like, who wouldn't be if you were coaching it? Like, don't get me wrong. But the coaches, I think, will also look back at that game and they'll they'll you know, they'll give the the usual weekly line. Oh, we could be better here, we could be better there, blah, blah, blah. Um, in terms of certain areas, and yeah, there's always a couple of percent in some facet of the game that you can improve on, but in regards to their actual attacking framework and defensive system, like, they just didn't stray from it, and, though, like, Glasgow scores were early on in the game, like, even when they're well ahead in this game. At no point did this switch off mentally, and just allow Glasgow to kind of piss through. Or to oh, a few soft old tries at the end, like yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, like that. That if, if that scoreline was seventy six, let's say thirty, for just say, yeah. let's say Glasgow didn't give up, you'd be you'd be looking at Leinster, and you'd be like, Jesus, those last couple of scores. I'd say the coach wouldn't be happy with that. But like Leinster just didn't do that. Like it took them a couple of minutes to get into the game. Grand, yeah. After that though, it just boom, off we go. Relentless efficiency in our framework Thing is though the
1: with Leinster There's consequences for guys If they don't stick to the framework Even in a fucking dungeon pumping like that If lads are off on their detail On either side of the ball or set piece That's got real consequences Because oh, yeah. you can drop out of your spot You can move up on a spot if you play well And I think I mean, we've I seen think that it- from Leinster
2: and if you look at the team as well, like I mean that, George, like do you remember Jordan Larmour after Munster? Everyone was saying, um, would he would he be on the plane to France for that Champions Cup final? And there's that straight away. There's that conversation of he had a great game, so why wouldn't he? You know, and I know you have to oust the other fella as well. Don't get me wrong, but like that conversation's there. If you look at like let's say. If you look at like uh, Joe McCarthy, and we said last week this would be a great game for Joe McCarthy to to mm-hmm. start in and to play in. Like it's not just a great game for him to play in to get experience. Like he's he's played in a champions cup final. He has been in an Irish camp now as well. And I don't know it was for a de- developmental reason, but he was still there. He's now played in a URC quarter final and did very, very well in a team that absolutely pumped Glasgow. So now coaches are looking at him going, Well, if we select him. And um, next weekend It's kind of like It's not like a, Jesus How will he get on Like it's kind of like Well We trust him to To be okay Because he's he's He has been there And he's getting that experience And he is doing that And I like,
0: I, I, I go against that A little bit though Because <clears throat> I look at You look at maybe The, the monster game And the, the Glasgow game And you sort of say You look at someone like um, Jordan Larmer And you go Absolutely Fantastic Unbelievable oh, no, no. with ball in hand. But the You have Lens to look at what they're against been as well. Yeah. yeah I know, they I know that too.
2: But I, I I meant in terms of the detail and the framework. Like they've not strayed from it, if you get me.
1: Oh, well, it's, it's basically yeah. it's it's how you're able to execute the game plan that was laid out for you during the week and lay out you know, how you how, yeah, how you execute yeah. your role. I think when you look at, at, at Lar Moore's game against Munster, for example going forward, fantastic. There was one of a few defensive bits I think that they would have looked at and gone, that needs a bit of work. But like, that's not a guy who, just because he had one good game against a kind of a monster side who were in a bad place at the moment, doesn't wall straight back in because it needs to be, and again, I think Leinster have, have set this in where you have a flow of, you can go up the, up the chart, you can go back down the chart. And like, that's something that's worked really, 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 really well for them because it drives standards, I suppose, where, Every game is important. Every training drill is important if you want to be the guy who gets the start in the majority of the positions. I know there's some positions are kind of, they're nailed on, but like for, in their their back three, I think Larry Moore is a guy who would look to compete and say, look, yeah, Jimmy O'Brien, yeah, I could compete with him. But you look at where Jimmy O'Brien is at the moment, I think of looking like a very complete player. Defensively looks very sound, uh, solid. Uh, you know, seeing Moore, like I said, uh, on the defensive side of the ball against Monster had one or two issues. So, didn't do what probably he needed to do to get straight back in. So uh, I, I think they're doing very, I think what they've got is a system that rewards success and punishes failure.
0: Yeah. And I, I think look for, for Jordan Lamar, he, he can't do any more than he he's doing at the moment. He, he's doing everything he can with Paul He's just not been given an awful lot of the the chances where he needs to excel in defense to show that he has taken those steps forward. I also think you look at the likes of Ross Byrne, who, you know, when you're playing behind a pack like that as dominant, you're going to look good because you get the time and the space. His real chance to shine was in the Champions Cup final in the last 20 yeah. minutes. And if anything, and you can say this is a failing of URC or you can say whatever way you, what you want it, but he doesn't get tested in the same way in the URC as he would do against the top team. Um, and that's why I think, as much as Leinster will get, will have guys, and they will move up and down their rankings as they sort of um, play to the detail that's required of them, until they're tested at the very end of the season. That's the only place that you can really do, and p- players can look better than they necessarily are and play at ho- seem that they're playing at higher levels because they're given that extra time space. Um, and that, they, that they're that they getting behind such dominant packs or, or playing in such dominant packs. Um, I mean, if you were to be really critical of, of Leinster at the weekend, I thought Glasgow did get success from attacking narrow um, for their two tries. There was literally, there wasn't too much subtle about it. It was, you know, one-off runners coming off, playing off nine fairly narrow, and... Early on, while Glasgow still had an interest, there was still some concern on the loose head side of the scrum. Um, now, how much of that was, was, it, was it, Leicester it two, fixing it? Was,
2: it? was it two scrum penalties early on to Xander Fagerson? Yeah, I think it was two early on to him. And then
0: <clears throat> the score started to build and it was hard to tell whether Glasgow were losing interest or whether Leinster had sort of done enough technically to fix it up. bit of both. and Yeah it could it could well be a bit of both but i mean like that's being i think probably hypercritical of Leinster in terms of like well what can what can you really say negative about a 76-14 win
1: nothing it actually it's a
2: very difficult game to analyze really because glasgow offered so little i think <clears> in terms of analyzing it though it's how would you say it's literally guys getting game time before and just getting you know, a freshening up and stuff like that before the next real challenge, like, because watching it, it was, like, it was a training match, like. Yeah, after after the early
1: game, like, as in, you can't look at it as any other way, as in, like, well, there's no real tests for Leinster here. Like, again, I haven't seen the game. I saw the scoreline, and I
2: was just like, well, I kind of know how this game went. (laughs) To be honest, if you look at the scoreline, it pretty much tells the story, like. Like, there was lots of good moments in it, but... 7614 kind of literally tells you everything you need to know. Like,
0: yeah. I think look the the two things, well, two of the things that stood out to me apart apart from the yellow card um periods, which were just embarrassing really for, for Glasgow. Um, number one was Joe McCarthy. He had an absolute stormer of a game. He did everything required of him. Um, he was excellent I thought. Um, ball in hand, hitting the rocks. Um defensively when he was asked to make his tackles, just thought he was brilliant. And the other one that I I sort of noticed a bit and I went back and re-watched it again was around Luke McGrath and Gibson Park and the difference between the two. And there seemed to be, with Luke McGrath, there seemed to be, his passing just seemed to be off a bit. It seemed to be, instead of being like crisp and out in front of the players, it seemed to be just... A little bit loose. It was hitting shoulders. It was, you know, there was a couple hitting the ground um, bouncing along and things like that. And I think there, there's been a definite movement in the last maybe 12, 18 months where Gibson Park was starting for Ireland, but was still very much second choice at Leinster. He was the guy who came off the bench. Whereas I think in the last 12 months, seeing that sort of Gibson Park has stepped up. And I think McGrath losing that game time and losing um, potentially sort of game time where the um, international window has, you know, they're not playing during that and Gibson Park is probably seeing a little bit more game time and um, maybe impacting his chances as well. It's
1: well, so it Shane Horgan who said that Luke McGrath is the best defensive scrum half in Ireland or Europe. Not sure what it was. A defensive scrum half. We'll say Europe. Europe. defensive <laughs> scrum, A defensive scrum half. Like what? (laughs) Who gives a shit about a defensive (laughs) scrum? One of the things about Luke McGrath is I noticed his pass quality, I think for me has never been great or hugely consistent. It does seem to have fallen off a small bit. Now I didn't see this game, but over the course of the season, it's one thing you'd notice his pass quality dips in and out. It's not that all his passes are bad. It's just that consistency from ruck to ruck can fluctuate quite widely from what I've seen. Um but yeah, defensively though. Best scrum half maybe that there's ever been. He's a really good scrummaging fly half. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, right. right, we'll we'll move on then to the to the game that we don't want to talk about. Um, what game is that?
2: But- no, we're a monster playing this week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, bull, the bulls, the bulls against the sharks.
2: This conversation will match my mood. Sharks
1: in just enough water so they could swim. The bulls in just enough water that they can stand.
2: Who's going to win? <laughs> who, who would win that? I reckon the shark. sharks. The sharks are going to win that. Yeah, they've got
1: these big yeah. mouths you see, full of
2: teeth. Oh, did, wait, sorry, did you go plural there, or is it one bull against one shark? It's the
1: bulls versus the sharks. So there's many bulls and there's many sharks.
2: <laughs> and what if there was only one each? Shark wins. Even if the do you think the bull would stand back and be like you'll drown in a minute be grand. J- ah, no. No. He definitely doesn't have the brain power for it. No the bull, yeah, the, bull, yeah, yeah. the bull is fucked. The bull is fucked there.
1: Now if it's on dry land the shark is fucked almost straight away. <laughs> bull yeah. just steps backwards just like what is wrong with this shark? He's a fucking idiot. Look at him drowning Lovely there in the so. air like a fool.
0: Yeah. Bulls were at home So they're the bulls were at home So we'll give them Home advantage On dry ground
1: Oh so the sharks Are in big trouble then? Yeah. <laughs> at altitude as well at, Yeah, I was about to
0: yeah.
1: Say. Sharks are not good At altitude They like sea level Anything, yeah. anything other than Sea level And they're in big trouble
0: <laughs> Even at sea level They need to be Just slightly under it. Slightly below sea level
2: Yeah A, sh- a shark in Holland, brilliant,
0: brilliant in the Netherlands Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, this game. Fuck's
0: yeah. So we look, we better talk about it and get it out of the way. So yeah, uh, Friday night it was the first of the quarterfinals, and Ulster beat Munster 36-17. Um, Ulster were full value for their win, and Munster again looked like a team who had been introduced to each other in the car park five minutes before kickoff. Um starting with Ulster, I mean <clears throat> the the one thing that looked so stood out for me completely was the ease at which Ulster broke down Munster defensively line out, line out defense, the gaps
1: good god line out defense Whew. terrible Ulster did, did but like, didn't even have to work all that hard considering last time Munster played Ulster in Ravenhill Kingspan whatever um, Munster did line out defense quite well handled quite well Ulster just like so much better this time around um, just created line up uh, Like break after break after break Like unbelievable
0: But it wasn't even doing anything That fancy or nope. just, there, was no, there wasn't even that much deception in it It was just good straight It was good quality passing Good lines of running And they ran through gaps Or got to the outside And made the, made the edge with ease And you know The Munster defence got caught very narrow um, Yet again um, I felt Farrell was exposed, not necessarily his fault all the time there um, at 13 on, on the edge, but they got caught narrow. An arrow and McCluskey and Hume were outstanding. I mean, like McCluskey, I think it was the first two or three times he crashed the ball up um, off the first two or three plays that he took and you could see the Munster back row waiting for him and tackling him as, as he came through. Um, and then they started going in behind and using the space there, and um, almost using him as a decoy. Um, and then Hume took over, and they
2: they just made Monster look very, very ordinary. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a reply to us there on on uh, Twitter earlier today. Oh God, I've, I can't I can't remember the person's name, so apologies for that. But made a brilliant point and said like. Why did the three of us go for Munster last week? And kind of, it was that kind of frame of thought. And it wasn't like an aggressive tweet or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. Like, who was genuine, it? Genuine, genuine,
1: genuine. Tell me who the fuck it was.
2: Oh, come on. Come on <laughs> <again>. <laughs> get into the get car there. <laughs> All right, Dan, let's go. I don't I don't know the person's like, I know that I remember the handle. It was like McFarland underscore D underscore <laughs> Ulster or something like that. No, I'm not but um, it was a good, like it was a great question, and I think now looking back at it, like all season we're praising Ulster for, you know, defence, for attack, for just doing very well, for doing these things. I even went as far as to say, the fact that Munster beat them up in Ravenhill in the let's say the normal league run makes no odds in knockout rugby, like, and still went for Munster. I suppose it was um, I suppose sometimes it can be. We try not to be too biased, like myself and Owen I, anyway. I don't. But um, <laughs> I got in there before. <laughs> <But> I suppose <laughs> we try not to be biased, but I suppose there is some, I suppose, hidden bias still there. Maybe some just, I don't know, stupid belief that made us think that Munster would, would, would get through it, you know. But like I said, that I just didn't want to feel like I felt in the first half of that first leg against Exeter. And that's pretty much exactly how I felt watching the game. Um, so inefficient, so just like like the passing wasn't even in front of players, like it was like you had players kind of running onto passes and had to check their run. That just makes it so much easier for defense every single yeah. time. Um, like it, like carrying just wide, not like to any real, I suppose, hole, not to any real purpose or pattern, just kind of arcing out towards touchline and again so simple for a a d-line just to to look at it and go yeah no you like you do that all you want like we'll just stop it eventually um and you and you look at then like one of hume's tries sticks out or sorry one of ulster's tries stick out to me Uh, hume makes a break and he passes to timoney but if you go back and watch that score again don't mind the break or anything like that you just watch nick timoney like he is Bursting his arse to get on the end of that pass. And later on in the game, then Monster have a line out. Uh 70 maybe three. I can't remember what it was, but like ish 70 plus, but it wasn't like deep into the into the 70s, if you get me. Uh whatever hint of a game is still there to to steal, or whatever it is like, Monster kick for a line out, and everyone's just kind of walking up towards it. And you're like, hang on a second, like we like the time isn't there to like. You shouldn't be cheesing the clock at this stage of the game, like when you're behind, like get to the set piece. Like surely you can pre-call it as you're getting there quicker. Like, but it was little moments like that. And I think they walked that line out. Was it a turnover, an intercept ball? And then, you know, they're they're breaking their holes to get back and chase back, which didn't. don't get me wrong, brilliant, like, but they're not exactly. There's no real emergency to get to the initial set piece, which is no. theirs to, to actually try and win the game. Like so, there was lots of frustrating moments like that for me. Like that that weren't even in play, if that makes sense. It was like yeah, it it was even like just body language that, that <laughs> was frustrating for me. Like
1: like for example, right? Monster turned over the ball twenty times in this game. Twenty times, That's like I think with the quality of the territory and opportunity that Munster had. If even the beloved we managed to just keep that turnover count to 12 or 13, I think Munster could have won this game. Even with the defense being cat, the amount of opportunities that were spurned with just poor passing, poor handling, poor line running, it's just very unusual. Like, because, you know, I've been watching like every monster game this season, three or four times, right? This is comfortably one of the worst times I've ever seen them play. And like, there's no excuses. The weather was perfect. The conditions were perfect. It's just that when it came to it, pass accuracy was just cat. How does this happen? Like you look at the game, I think it was more or less lost inside. I think around 30 something minutes in, I was looking at it and going, we are not winning this fucking game. Not a chance. You could say even within the first five seconds when that restarted, like the kickoff got knocked on and the energy from Munster then straight away, you're just like, we're in big fucking trouble here. You could see even the lads walking out. No energy. Looks flat. Like they didn't want to be there. And like, you look at the, it was just it was mad. mad Like, and you look at like the, when Joy Carberry kicked the penalty, didn't make touch. And then Munster still ended up with a, a line out and then just threw it crooked. Like just, It straight to the jumper with Henderson going up into the air, making it look obviously look, this is obviously not straight. I'm just like, we're not winning this game, not a chance.
0: The game, the game changed, or sorry, didn't change. The game was over when Balakun made the tackle inside his own 22 and they went down and scored a couple of minutes later. Yeah, that that, 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 that was a killer.
2: That was a killer. That that was that was it, gone from an Ulster perspective. That was a great shot from Balakun. Yeah,
1: (laughs) you know, like that was a a game change because I think. Look, yeah. if, if Joey Carberry just even decides to swipe that ball across him, that goes to Keith Earls and that's a try. And then we're maybe looking at a different game then. It's just, again, there seems to be just a real desperate lack of confidence about what Munster were doing. And I think like my confidence coming into this game, not, not even confidence, I reckon it would be a narrow enough game. Turned out it wasn't, completely the opposite way. Um, Was based on the fact that, like looking at the way Munster played there back in, uh was it... April, May, whatever it was. Yeah. April, um, looking at that and thinking, well, look, if they can bring elements of that um, and maybe get it at the, the Ulster line out uh, defensively, been pretty solid all year, that completely evaporated. But the thing is, Ulster expected this. You hear, do you, hear, you hear James Hume after the game? We were saying about how like we looked at their, uh, we kind of looked them on video and we knew we were much better than them and we went out there and did it something to that effect. Like he was right. Um, it was just very, very unusual watching the game where you see like Conor Murray and, and Joey Carberry blowing very simple passes and Conor Murray having it, just a very poor game. And everything just kind of knocking on from there. And it's just, it just seems again, but by the way, by the way, you know what the last time the Munster coughed up north of 14 turnovers in a in a, in a game? The Manchester. the final from last year of the Pro 14, 18 turnovers. In a in a knockout game. It's amazing how that keeps happening, isn't it?
2: There's one set piece that Ulster score, a set piece try that they score. It's um just past the halfway line in the Munster half. Shortened line out off the top comes down to Cooney. Cooney whips the pass. Boy, like the if you if you go if if you look at the line out, I'm so sorry, I'm struggling to talk today. If you look at the line if you look at the line out and the shape of the players as the as I think it's O'Connor who goes up into the air, it's very clear that there's no mall being set here, like absolutely none. And it's the fact that even Cooney's at nine shows that the mall is not happening here. Like, yeah,
1: there's no, there's like mall faint.
2: Don't even it, buy it, this. Yeah, like do you know, if 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 it was a case that Cooney was at the front of line out or something like that, should be like, okay. Do you know, might buy it whatever. There's no shape here that a line out mall is about to happen. Ball comes down off the top, flashed out. I think it's the third receivers on the ball before a defensive player is coming up in their face. And I think that pass is thrown. Farrell absolutely shoots out of the line because I think he actually has to at this stage. Because yeah, he was. Cut, I, I think I know yeah. the one you're talking about, yeah, uh, he, was, he was caught like, rotten on it, so he had to. He, I think he has to make that read. And in fairness to him, if he hits man and ball in that, he's stopped it dead and he's done a, a really good job. It's just the fact that they get the pass off. And I think it's Balakun then just makes that break then into that space. I think it's two passes, including like uh, one of the out the backs and stuff like that, and it's try time. But like, it's just that defence off the line-out. I don't understand why. And don't get me wrong; like the ball's gone wide anyway, but there's still no hunters or anything off ten. Like it's a short lineout. Like this, this is the, this is the first half, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I, like, I think get up.
1: Like, I think that Munster were just really concerned. About Stuart McCluskey and Joey Carberry's channel, he was screened off this, I think. Yeah, but um, but the thing is, but, like D'Lende was tied to him all the all game, like while he was defending no, ten.
2: Just, you still have orders, like
1: oh, I know, but it's 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 weird, like so, like it always seemed like that. Oh, geez, you're getting the edge, fierce, 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 easy there. It just seemed looking back at the game that Dialende was just tied to Carberry all day long while he yeah. was at ten, and it just, I don't know, it just like you might, I, I, because I've gotten this question a ton of times, and you might. See what you what you think here. Did it look like Monster kind of checked out at this game?
2: I we I was talking to you before the uh, before we went live, and I think we were talking about um the game and stuff like that. I think players can't afford to give up, and I know I said it looked like Glasgow gave up as well, but like they're playing for contracts; like it's their daily job. Like you, like, put it this way: Would you go up to Damian Delenda, who's a World Cup winning centre, and say, "Did you give up here?" Like, I wouldn't have the fucking neck on me to say that, to be honest. With you, to a player. So I think, like, uh, sorry, I, I'll rephrase that. So if I if I wasn't able to say that to a player, genuinely, like, I I could I don't think I could think it. If that makes sense
1: yeah it's it it's weird though, because like I've gotten this uh, like a, a good few times from people like it's just monster just look like they're not there um, I, I don't since, think they
2: were checked out. I think they were beaten soundly and tactically and physically mm,
1: but like if what, you look at if we, you look at like they spoke during last week, I think we spoke about it but was it on this last podcast last week? I'm not sure where they were talking about the emotional exhaustion uh after the Toulouse game. I'm not sure if we were talking I think we yeah, were talking about this. yeah we were yeah. And uh, I think Johan brought it up again this week after this game against against Ulster, and I'm listening to this, and I think a lot of people are, are out there listening to this as well and going, "Why is this? Why was that so devastating? Like but Ulster it, were beaten at an earlier point as well. Like why is
2: this still being brought up as a reason? Then I don't think it's a case of being checked out. I think it's a case you have to look at. Well, who's leading it? Like who's creating this environment, who's leading this environment?
1: Is but like, is, is, is is that what people are meaning when they say Monster checked out? Not necessarily players, but like is it a course that like that? Because again, like <laughs> I, I hear that and I'm just like, that's really concerning to hear. I'm hearing that and I'm kind of going, like, why are Leinster playing 10 minutes of their game and they don't start great, but then they're snapping right back into it? Like, why is it that Leinster can do that and Monster can't? Why are Monster still well, we said, hung up on a game from six thing. weeks ago?
2: we said the same thing after Leinster lost against La Rochelle. We said it when Ulster lost against Toulouse. Like, it's a different competition and yeah, you lost, you still have silverware here. Mm -hmm. That mindset has to swap straight into, and I know, don't get me wrong, I know it's difficult, you lose a, a like, you lose a game like that in the the manner of which you did like, but fucking Leinster lost the final. And and the last, last,
1: with the last play of the game.
2: And put 76 points on a team. So, I think if it's a case of I, I, it's certainly not a case if you've checked out it's a professional team I think you have to look at the environment like and, um, like, and some people say like you know or oh, they weren't hungry enough I don't buy that that's not a thing like it's yeah, I think that's a it's, it's a cop out like to be honest you, if, it, like if you look like if we go back to that strike move off the line out Ulster ran that from 40 odd metres out because they knew exactly what would happen like they were tactically beaten and soundly beaten that way but if it's a case that you're going into a quarterfinal of of your domestic league, you haven't won a trophy in was it eleven years or whatever it is, and I'm not I'm not saying if Leinster beat or if if Munster beat Ulster they would have won it. They're obviously one step closer. But if you look at it and you say it to yourself you're 240 minutes away, regardless of opposition, it's 240 minutes that's it, like, and you can have a trophy and we can, you know, end this drought and whatever it is, like, if you are not creating that excitement and that buzz and whatever, you have to look at, like, you have to look at your leaders, like. Yeah. And, that, and I be mean, that, be that coach or players, but you have to look at that and say, what's like, going what on are, here? Why are we still down here? Like, This is a cultural issue. And this
0: is, this is what's wrong in Monster Rugby, in my opinion. I don't have a perfect insight into it, but I think there is a cultural issue where we have seen, and we are t- sorry, you talked about it before, where players are not in Leinster are not getting to the detail and not doing what's expected of them. Players move up into their positions and they move up and down the depth chart. What have been the consequences? Because this, this Ulster game was pretty bad, but it's not been the first bad game this season. And it hasn't been certainly not the first bad game in Van Grant's tenure, right? Over the last five seasons or five years right? What has been the, um, I suppose, what has been the reaction to previous ones? We've heard in the press, oh, we own it and players own it, but nothing happens. It's the same guys coming out. It's the same thing coming out. And it's almost as if these things, it just becomes acceptable and it becomes ingrained. And I'm not saying that's anyone's specific fault, but people just accept it. You can talk the words and you can do whatever you want, but mentally it becomes acceptable. And like, if, like if you want to look at this from from a sort of a a knockout process, and when when things are on the line, Van gran has won four. He has four wins in fourteen knockout games in his monster things. For he got he has four wins, two in his first year in charge, and then since then it's been Edinburgh. Benetton and Exeter. There, there is only four wins in knockout rugby.
1: Not exactly a who's who, really, is it?
0: No. And for, like, this comes down to it, whatever way you think anything else, and, like, there's problems with the attack and nothing is gel. there is a culture issue that unless you get in there, and I think I'll go back to something else that Jeff said in terms of, like, Van Grant has, what, two wins out of 13 against Leinster. I... I would guess over the over that period of time, Connacht probably have more wins than that. And Susan one Grant one, one of those
2: was the Rainbow Cup as well, by the way. Yeah. A fucking so, Mario Kart level. Excuse me. Yeah. Benetton won the Rainbow Cup, and it was fantastic. But like you I go, go back to it, two wins. It.
0: Of, you go two wins out of thirteen against Leinster, right? As, and I think Jeff said it. He said, if, what was your phrase? He said, I think if you want to beat if, Leinster, if, it sounds if you want to good, beat Leinster, you have to fuck them up in the forwards. You have to beat the shit out of them in the forwards. I think it was something along those lines. That's what he said. Munster don't have the attitude to do that. No matter what way you have it, they don't currently have the attitude to go and beat the shit out of them in the because,
1: forwards. And you know why? You, because we haven't seen it. If it yeah. was there, you'd see it. But we haven't seen it. And it's just, it's one of those things like talking about, oh, we weren't physical enough in the first 10 minutes of that game against, you know, Leinster B. Like, you had a player there, like a forward, front five forward, lost the collision to Harry fucking burn inside the first 20 seconds. But the same guys are selected over and over again. It's like, at, at what point is like, you and again, everybody's like, oh, get the younger players in because it's like a bit like get the new toys in. But like, at what point you go, well, if there's no real consequences for guys not playing well, forget about playing badly, not playing well to the level that you expect, then what, what does it take to get guys in there? Injury? Guys retiring? That's the thing I think that people get frustrated about because it's been more or less the same team who've been losing the majority of these games every season for the last four or five years. And before that even, but just with this team who've kind of, you know, the guys who were in there kind of, you know, 28, 31, 32, like the senior players now, These are the same guys who've been losing these games the entire time. And it just seems that, you know, five years later, you'd expect there'd be quite a large turnover. There hasn't really been a large turnover. And I get there's reasons behind that as well. The younger players haven't been there. They haven't been ready. But I think you look at this season, I think one of the biggest opportunities missed were, and I understood the logic of this at the time, by the way, is when you saw those young lads coming in and playing so well against Wasps, right? That a lot of those lads disappeared and we just didn't see them again for large stretches of the season. I understand why you had to rotate other guys in, but how much, because again, post-COVID, everything with South Africa and whatever else, but what message would it have sent to go, this guy's playing really well. We're going to keep playing him. We're going to keep involving him until he dips back out again. And then you'll get a shot. What message would that have sent instead of just like, nice game, lads, nice stuff, all right, back to AIL for you. See you later.
0: But you, you look at something like the Toulouse game, right? And it was all the Toulouse game was essentially a game that and like let's let's get around it. It was a good performance, but they lost. But that was Van Grand. This is what Monster is all about. That's what his Monster is all about. Effectively, losing bravely. And in it's got to the point where he's not even losing bravely anymore. He's just losing. And as I've said before, it's created, I think, a lot of apathy within the fan base. I think there may be still some anger there. And if there's anger, at least there's there's some feeling still towards it. But I think there's still a lot of apathy. Um, I think the Toulouse game came around at the perfect time for Munster because it helped certainly with the the season ticket um, renewals and everything else and the money that goes there. I think if, if you had changed the timing on that and... Munster were asking to renew season tickets around the time that you had the Leinster and this Ulster defeat, you'd be looking at a very different number in terms of season ticket holder renewals on it. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think we've talked about Rountree having a big job to do next season and what he has to do. I think his biggest one is change this culture. He needs to instill a thing of let's go fuck them up. And I
1: think he and the team that's there that are coming in, I think they absolutely can.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, look, I think that's that's enough of that. I think Jeff in self pity.
1: Jeff, there wants to talk about semis.
2: Sorry, no, I I didn't realize I was on mute there. I'd like to see round because I actually went to speak like three times, but you just kept speaking, and I was like, okay, I'll see where this goes. And I only went to speak there, and I was like, oh, I'm on mute. So, (laughs) (laughs) oops, Daisy. But just like I said, we'll move on to the semifinals, yeah. And I like I will, but I just want to say, like, I'd like to see. Round Roundtree And his team Just be ruthless When it comes to Selection next year mm-hmm. Like Yeah Just if a guy's Performing And obviously like If he recovers in time And he's fit And the whole lot Like I'm not saying Like play a young lad And even though he's broken Play him again I'm not saying that at all I'm saying If, if you play A young player Not even a young player If you play a fringe player If you play any player And they're performing well Doing their job Training well Whatever Like they're in for selection because there was one or two selections late in the season. I know I said it to you off air, and I won't mention any names because I think it's unfair. But there was one player put in for the end of the season for one, just a one-off like selection, I suppose, for this player in question. And it just seemed very obvious that this game had been earmarked for him to play in from a long time ago, regardless of, I suppose, the situation that was like or the importance around the game. Let's say. Yeah, came I came in ice cold and it's like, ice well, cold. what, what and, did you expect? And it showed like, it yeah. absolutely showed.
1: But that's the biggest criticism of this. One of the biggest criticisms is that team sheets and selections are done weeks in advance.
2: Yeah, but and everybody uh, knows it. I think it has to be a case of like, right, you, let's say you have three hookers, A, B, C. A will start one week, B starts the next C starts. You know, if they're all neck and neck like, but obviously like, you know, you each get a go and whoever stands out. That's it until you drop off and literally have no, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? I suppose not remorse because that's the wrong word, but like just nothing personal. It's what what
1: have you done? What have you done for me last week?
2: Yeah. And like, literally just be like, you're not performing. You're not playing. Yeah. Because again, I think to a certain
1: extent, cohesion can be kind of overrated a small bit. When it comes to you're playing the same team,
2: okay. Well, what if it, well, what are you playing though? If 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 you if you're looking at cohesion and you say, okay, let's this is just sake of argument. No, I'm I'm not actually pointing at any player in particular. Mm-hmm. But if you say like, oh, this hooker knows the, I suppose the when his jumpers are going to go like perfectly well, and he knows the lineup really well, like, or our loose heads binding and tighter with the hooker and understanding that way is really good, or whatever, like. But they're doing nothing around the pitch, or like it's just you need more, and you need to be rootless. I think it's professional sport. If, if if someone is not performing on any team, then like I mean they know the crack. Like it's like, not, it's not like it's lost on them. It's not like to, this is under eights where you can't just say oh we'll all get a game and it's okay. Like this yeah is like to jump on sport. that
1: right. I and mean, we know we're going on to the semis. There's a kind of a thing where you've noticed if you've been involved in any sort of setup with a team where there's what you talk about and then there's what you do. And sometimes the two of those things are a little bit different. So when you're talking about, look, this is the team that's coming up for the weekend. Everybody knew that this was going to be the team in advance, weeks in advance, right? And you go, well, we're going to try and help them prepare as best as possible, right? And then the build up to it where you're training, where training's competitive and you're, 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 you're competing for spots, right? When players know weeks in advance that whatever they do in training or a game that they're penciled in for that whatever happens, they're not going to get selected for the big game because that, that team's set in stone. Every single environment I've ever been in training goes down. They talk about it. Oh, well, we're going to keep levels up. Training level always goes down when guys know whatever I do here. I'm basically, I'm just holding tackle bags here. It's just one of those things where the last couple of weeks for Munster, That's what it seems from the outside looking in, that it seems like there's a lot of lads there who knew they would always be playing whatever happened in the games and just seems like there was a bit of a dice roll that didn't work out and hasn't worked out really for the last three, four years.
0: Yep. Okay, I think that's enough of wallowing in self-pity here for the three of us um, we'll move on to the semi-finals um, the first one is Friday night at the RDS Leinster against the Bulls uh, the Bulls beat the Sharks so there's the answer to our earlier question uh, 30 points to 27 with a last minute drop goal um, I think overall like we've said all along the Sharks have some fantastic players and are buying every player under the sun um that is becomes available and out of contract but the bulls actually managed the game better than the sharks um and that was the big difference in it they they had a they had a halfback they had a plan and they stuck to it and it, it took a lot of the sharks individual brilliance out of the game as much as possible um i i mean for, for leinster i think they've got furlong sexton and low and um, they're hopeful all three of those will be able um, to play. Sounds like a law firm. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm sure we've got them on retainer at this point. We've got them on retainer. We get them all. <laughs> and then Hugo Keenan is back in training, uh, full training this week as well. It's traveling up Northern Hemisphere. I just don't see the Bulls having enough to trouble Leinster. Like you think
1: at home. on paper like you look at the Bulls and go with the size and power they have that technically, you know, theoretically, they could cause problems for Leinster in the ways that other sides have. Because again, you look at the way La Rochelle beat Leinster, for example, they match Leinster kicking distance, like their distance per kick was almost Mm. the same. Uh, You look at their, they kept Leinster under 95% retention at the breakdown and bossed possession and territory, which meant that Leinster's possession became very, very expensive. Uh, You look at some malfunctions in the line-out for Leinster as well. Um, you think the Bulls, in theory, have some of the personnel that might be able to do something similar. Um, but again, I think a lot of it comes down to the travel. And like, again, like Leinster just at the moment look like they're in a real just flow. They've kind of gotten right back in. The physical question will be asked about them, but I think Leinster starts so strongly and like they always tend to do it. That it's tough to see the Bulls unless they can get a hold of this game very early. It's tough to see the Bulls pulling anything out of this one. Unfortunately for them,
0: uh, yeah, I think look, if the only hope that the Bulls have really is to try and set a platform that they can dominate, which is probably the the scrum that they 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 would hope for, I think, um, and then to maybe attack narrow with big carriers. Um, to, to go that way and try at Leinster they have but the guys they, to do that Like they, they theoretically have have yeah. the 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 pieces to, to make that work and a few quick guys out wide that can cause problems but I just don't I'm or sorry, I haven't seen them string all that together consistently enough and with the travel involved the fact Leinster at home and are playing so well I just can't see anything past Leinster in a comfortable home win
2: I'm, I'm up there with Owen's thinking there. Like, yeah, they have the power. They, they have the, you know, they they have all the ingredients to do it. But they need to do it all at the one time for 80 minutes away from home. And even like, if you look at statistics, I mean, what is it like 80 or high 80% of the home team win the domestic um, semifinals? So like, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, are are, they, are the Bulls going to be that one team? Let's say, do you know, if it, if it's one out of 10 teams that win, is it going to be the Bulls away to Dublin against Leinster? A Leinster team who, let's say, if Sexton law, or if that law firm come back in and uh, if you in Keenan's fit too, like, are they going to have enough? Even at halfbacks and stuff like that, like, are, are, are their level of halfback going to match up? let's say if it's Gibson Park and Sexton if they're all fit which you know if they are fit they will probably start like does their half match that I suppose in terms of chess I don't think so so um, yeah for me look it's going to be a Leinster win I think but I wouldn't say it's going to be a comfortable game I think time is going to be a factor I think it'll be tight and heavy until Leinster start to pull away maybe in the second half but uh. I see some very big carries and some very big hits coming in from some very big men. At the same some time,
1: quite a few large men, men of mass, you might say, who are going to be playing yeah. this game on the bull side. There are
2: there are some big dudes coming to Dublin, but I just think it'll be a time thing, really. To be honest, like, and you know my theory you now comes to beating Leinster, kick the shit out of the front five and go for it. But y- you have to do that relentlessly for eighty minutes. Like, you can't just do it for ten and say, oh, job's done here. Like, or you know, I got a few good shots in here, so I he can just kind of tip on. It has to be a solid 80-minute kick in, and I don't think it will be.
0: The other thing is, I think if they do get the upper hand at the scrum, they have to double and triple down on it. 100%. They, re- they have to. It's it's not a case of take your scrum penalty and kick down the line and go from the line out. I think you have to go, no, we re-scrum, and you look to push for a yellow card. And I I think that's their best chance of doing it if they can get on top at the scrum is to really just double down on that. Both
1: of the Bulls' props are very hefty gentlemen. Like Gerhard Steenkamp and I think it's Van Ruyen as well. Big boys, big, large lads.
0: They're they're not built for ball and playtime of, you know, 30 plus minutes.
1: (laughs) Boring. (laughs) And mauling. Get that ball off the pitch. (laughs) Yeah, it's like anytime, anytime you see a prop uh, pulling a screen pass you're just booing relentlessly.
0: <laughs> get him off the field, <laughs> get him out of there. Oh,
2: god! Uh, so, right, the I think second that's three for Leinster, is it? Three
0: for yep. Leinster. We'll go with that. The second uh, semifinal is Stormers against Ulster in on Saturday uh, afternoon in Cape Town. Uh, the Stormers beat Edinburgh 28-17 with uh, the Stormers out half Libux boot, proving the difference really between the two teams. Um, I watched the this uh, match pretty much on fast forward for most of it to try and get through a good bit of it. But the, the one thing that did stand out to me on it was Evan Ruse. It's just he looks fantastic. He looks to be like a buck and waiting, to be honest with you. Um some of his carries um and um, defensive work were just amazing.
1: Yeah, I know he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's a good, he's a good looking player. Like you look at his physical profile as well, just a big aggressive, like impactful ball carrier. And it's kind of it's weird just because like the stormers, when I saw them earlier in the season they were looked fabulous in tolman park they look really really good and kind of lost their way a little bit but without having like a ton of hype behind them and you know a ton of off field issues depending on what you read um they've gone about their business really really well and like you look at them in this game here now against ulster ulster have a fucking tough job ahead of them you know like trying to get down to south africa to prep a uh, big game uh, but i think ulster won't be that spooked by it either like they should have won against the Stormers the last time. They and, did, win. and 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 did win. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Like uh, I think if you look at, at Ulster, like I think the way that they've kind of they recovered from a uh, like a, a poor run, uh, but maybe two poor games against Toulouse and and uh, and Munster, two poor results anyway, uh, and turned it around and kind of finished the season really really strongly. I don't I think they'll have every fucking confidence going under a winning, to be honest. You look at him, I don't think they'd have any bit of fear in him. You look at the way James Hume this season has kind of really ascended to be a top, top quality player. But guys like that there, like who's able to talk his shit in the press and then back it up. I love his that's, attitude. That's, that's unreal. Like, you know, look like he's a, I, I love his attitude. Why wouldn't he talk his shit? Like, prove him wrong. That's the thing. And it's like you wouldn't back against Ulster. Like they've got like are gonna have to do it the hard way, like, because you're gonna travel down. If, if Ulster win they've got to travel all the way back up it's going to be very very difficult if they're playing Leinster like it's uh, yeah it's going to be very very difficult but sure they seem to be have a lot of confidence playing really well and sure why, why would they be why would they be afraid of any game coming up
2: there's no fresh injury concerns either is there
1: don't think so <laughs>
0: Lowry is out for the rest of the season, I think. I yeah, think no, he I potentially the so. All Black Tour. He was out for the last game. Yeah. The yeah, only yeah. one, uh, they, they issued a press release um, with no new injuries. So I'm, we're taking that to mean Warwick is okay despite it going off early Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. on Friday night. Um, and I think that would probably be a big concern for Ulster, actually, because the Ulster scrum did look very shaky after Warwick went off.
2: Sure. We were and talking already about without
0: Marty Moore.
2: we were talking about Warwick last week, like he is the starting Ulster luciet, simple as, and if he goes to New Zealand or Ireland in the summer, you'd be like, "Okay, no problem like um. Yeah. but yeah, I actually was thinking about this one today, uh in those few moments of clarity I found in when my head unclouded, and I was able to think. So we'll see how well I'm able to say it out loud now. But I actually think the same. I think Ulster will go down. They're in a good place. Like, like almost like a perfect game against Munster. Like, just went out, nailed what they said they would do, uh, did it well. And, you know, they're, they're into a semi final. After that, you know, to lose game, they won, they lost. You know, people were saying, like, how do they get back on the wagon? Yeah, they lost against Munster. I don't think that was as much of a hangover as people think it was. I think they just got their selection wrong, uh, especially at halfback. And, you know, didn't manage the game well. I think if they had gone for Madigan or, I don't know, I was Burns injured at the time, I don't know, like, but if they had an out-and-out 10 who was able to boss the game better than Lowry was, I think it would have been a different game, to be honest with you. So I actually don't count that game as a hangover. I think they just got it wrong. Um, maybe, I don't know, needs most maybe, I don't know But, you know, I, I wouldn't have gone that way myself personally If I would Madigan there available to me But I think they'll go down to South Africa um They'll take a lot of confidence from the fact that Yeah, okay, they didn't win But they should have uh, that last time And again, like it's something I alluded to earlier And I'll, I'll say it again They'll go down with the mindset of It's 160 minutes of rugby left this season Like go for Like just fucking Empty it Like They also did double Against Leinster as well This season too And I know like last week I said That League form Like doesn't really count in Knockout stages And I still do believe that But I mean if you look at it On paper Why Why would they be afraid Why would they be nervous Like And especially As Tom said already If you have a fella Who backs up his bullshit In the middle of the field Like in James Hume. Who literally says he's going to do something goes out and does it and has done all season, and so have all of them. Like, I mean, I I, I have I'm 100 percent going for Ulster in this one, um, and as well as that, like Stuart McToskey said earlier in the season, um, that when Ulster have, like, you know, everyone fit and everything like that, and I know it's Mike is injured now at the moment. Don't get me wrong, Stocktail and Addison are injured as well, and a couple of other guys, but. Like they were injured when he said this too. Like, you know, they were out of the frame already. He said that when Ulster are fit and firing and ready to go, they're 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 on to creating something special here. I think this is just probably the next step in that creation. I
0: looking looking at the game itself, I think there, there's a couple of things on either side that'll sort of point a lot towards the outcome of it. I think number one is the scrum. And how fit or how Warwick is. He's going up against uh, Franz Malherbe and like you need to be at the top of your game for that.
2: Another man of mass.
0: Another man of serious mass.
2: I love Franz Malherbe. I love him.
0: Franz Malherbe is a man I can relate to in terms of body image if if not rugby ability. Um, (laughs) And would be a a serious hero of mine. The, The man can scrummage
2: I'm kind of um, getting. I'm gonna get getting there myself. <laughs> <laughs> too, much the fucking, club, too,
1: too much seafood soup. <laughs>
2: I Tell you, after the week I had as well, I'm. I like. I've jumped. I've. I've. I've nearly jumped there in one failed spoop Almost like. <laughs> we came, we came you home. had to let the
0: belt notch out one loop. Oh
2: man! I came home yesterday, like and like. It was, you know? Like it was one of those days. Even today, do you, you know when you just find yourself staring into space, but you don't realize it. Time is an illusion Like you're just there in body But got home yesterday And um ordered a Domino's And I don't even remember really tasting it Do you know that kind of way Like I just knew it. I ate it That's <laughs> all I know <laughs> So um me like I'm on the way to being a I think that just means I'm on the way to being an international um, brand, test, you know? test standard tight edge test, yeah. test, test level tight edge I think I'm on the way you know yeah. That's all it takes.
0: Oh, I could be there. I, I have the mass, if not the skill. Um, but you yeah, tie, no, you, think, at the
2: same time, you could tie the three of us together and we would still get murdered by him. Like,
0: <laughs> you could put another seven behind us and we'd still get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think look, Scrum is going to be a big one. I think even looking back again, as I had that the, the Ulster Monster game, Monster caused Ulster issues when, again when they carried in tight same as the, the first game up in the Kingspan the difference was Munster literally just couldn't hand, hold on to the ball and the passing from the, the halfback and decision making was rubbish if if the Stormers can attack narrow with their bigger players and hold on to the ball they can cause Ulster problems and I think maybe the biggest I think pointer towards the result is going to be how the Stormers kick because if they kick loosely or they lose the kicking game that gives Ulster line out from sort of anywhere, I'd say, outside the Ulster 22, Ulster will have a crack in them with that back line. From strike moves, particularly off, off mauls or whatever, they will take them on. And as Ulster, or sorry, Munster have seen, they're pretty good at doing it. And I think they'll, they'll cause a lot of problems. So the, the kicking game for the Stormers will, will be there. If if Ulster can hold together in terms of their line-out and they can survive the scrum, I think they'll go a long way towards it. But it, the only thing that comes back to me again is it's, what is it? It's nearly 90% win rate for home sites in the yeah. sort of the URC knockouts. Ulster have to travel. I'm not saying that they're definitely out of it, but just going on the on the sort of the odds and everything there, the Stormers, just to sneak it.
2: I'm going to... I understand the odds, but in my eyes, I think Ulster could be that one team in ten, if that makes sense.
1: I am going to stand up for the Ulster men yep. here, and I'm going to say, Butterf- "I think Ulster are going to win." You are fickle, you and own you <laughs> fickle men.
0: I'm going ordering my Stormers T-shirt now as we log I, off
1: here. I think it's going <laughs> to be a a slight, uh, going to be a narrow Ulster win, and um, yeah, I just can't predict Monster to win this game because we're not playing it. But I would if I could.
0: (laughs) Yeah, look, I I think it'd be a very tight game. I'm just going with the home team on that basis.
2: Um, 2-1 Ulster.
0: 2-1 to Ulster. We'll we'll keep scoring that. Uh, We'll move on very quickly to a few of the listener questions. Um, We'll have a look in depth at the Ireland squad to travel to New Zealand next week. As Jeff looks very panicked there when I said that. Um,
2: like I, was like, I was like, I was like, I know, I knew the squad is out next Wednesday because I texted you that earlier today, but I was still like, Oh my god, was the squad just named? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Did a week of my life just pass? That's how shook the level of shook
1: that we haven't quite yet reached before.
2: It's rare when it happens, but like, it's here. What, every six, seven uh, months into this podcast? It had to happen eventually.
0: Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll have a look at that in depth next week um, and a, a look at the semifinals. But uh, the Ireland Scrum Half depth chart um, was one of the, the things that comes in. Who do we who do we think is... I, I suppose, who do we see as being ranked within that? Has Conor Murray started to play himself out of it? And maybe one question to look at, does the skill set required at nine for Ireland, does that change if Sexton is not there or if Sexton retires?
1: I think they'll double down on it when Sexton retires to keep up that pace and quick ball and to basically be a winger slash scrum half, uh, more or less when you look at the role. Gibson Park plays very like that, a lot like a winger in lot a lot of what he does other than he's passing the ball a lot too from the from the base of the rock or whatever. Um like in a way he's quite like Antoine Dupont. I've said that a few times that they're kind of a similar style player. Um I think that's kind of very in vogue at the moment. Um I think you look at Conor Murray that's not really his game. It hasn't really ever been his game really. Uh but then you look at other elements of his game I think have been falling off. I mean look Conor Murray's the for me the greatest scrum half that has ever come out of Ireland I think. Um you look at what he's achieved, but I certainly think over the last couple of weeks um, and months even, you could say performance levels haven't been where they need to be. And uh, certainly you could say that against Ulster. A lot of errors, a lot of, and like he was only on the field for 30-something minutes, four turnovers, you know, more than any, all the Leinster backs who started against uh, Glasgow combined, by the way. So you look at that and you go, look, that has to have an impact at test level. Right? Like, hmm. It surely does. Uh, I think Craig Casey, I think he's a guy who should have been playing a lot more for Munster in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think he's a guy who hasn't done himself any harm at all. Um, I think he has to be in that conversation. I think Nathan Doak is there too. Um, Again, look, I think there's those four guys, I think, are the main contestants at the moment there, I'd say. Um, but I'd say that it's very fluid at the moment Outside of Gibson Park Who I think is the number one guy Just based on who they've selected
0: I, I would think like And maybe the or Sorry, the way I'm viewing it is You've got the likes of Gibson Park Who is definitely number one I think you've got Connor Murray Who plays a Is better at a very different style And is much more a game manager Behind that Now If I think Gibson Park works Well with Sexton there, but Sexton is definitely the leader of that. Whereas you look at some of the other 10s coming in, they are not that commanding presence. So is Murray being kept around, in terms of that, around his ability to manage a game at times? And you look at maybe some of the some of the other scrum half options that are there, particularly the, the way Ulster play. You have the likes of Cooney and Doak, who are more about game management. Um they can, not saying they can't play the same way that Gibson Park does, but they're more about the game management and maybe suit suited more towards that style. And then you have maybe someone I, I think like Craig Casey fits very much into this sort of the Gibson Park type play. Um and I think Marmion for for some reason he seems to be almost forgotten to an extent in this, could play that game similar to Casey and um, Gibson Park but I think if you change Sexton and you move to someone and like even as we saw pause it a couple of seasons ago with um, Billy Burns coming into 10 he's very much a facilitator he's not that same leader and doesn't necessarily provide the same direction I don't think necessarily Joey Carberry at the moment is providing that either so and with Jack Carty who's now injured and out of the New Zealand tour that's why I was saying do you need a second type of scrum half. I'm not saying it has to be Murray, but do you bring Doke along, who could maybe manage that, or even Cooney.
2: What do you reckon, Jeff? Oh, sorry. Um, I didn't know if you were asking me or um, Tom. But I kind of agree with Tom, to be honest. Like, I think that if you let's say if if you swap Sexton and you swap your nine too, like, are you going to change a team's attacking framework? Because one player isn't there. No. Well, I
0: mean, who well, I mean, who who can who can play that same game as Sexton
2: at 10? No, but yeah. yeah, but what I'm saying is like if you take Sexton out, right? And then you say, okay, Sexton's not there, so I'm gonna put Murray in now let's say Ross Byrne or I don't know, Ben Healy or something like that. Um and I'm I'm using these names now because Jack Carty's injured and, and stuff like that, or let's say even Joey Carberry like what have we seen from Murray and Carberry together at Munster that would say stick them in an the international level? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. So like in my eyes, just because you lose Sexton doesn't mean you change your nine. It means the 10 you have better fucking learn the ropes pretty quick.
1: Yeah, and, and fit the shape that that Sexton has left behind almost. I think that that's probably what you have to do. Like, again, I think the way Ireland plays all on quick ball and having somebody who can play that but also be able to, you know, just basically play a sexton style role. It's not completely unplayable, but there certain physical characteristics you need there, and if you don't have them, it'll make things difficult. And I think we may get a look at that during the the tour uh, to New Zealand this summer. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out.
0: Yeah, look, and I I think it will be that I. I... I think there's there's very as you said Tom very few players that can match that and just sl- slot into Sexton's style which is a bigger problem for Andy Farrell. Um, and looking <laughs> Uh-huh maybe maybe if you beef up Tom you you could take that role on. Beef down
2: Should I slim back down? Is that what you're saying? Look, I think I need to beef up to become the tight head.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna, yes, damn it! I'm going to
1: have, have to beef down God damn it
2: I'm in no man's land I'll be I don't know Team I'll drive the bus I can't
1: <laughs> I can't pass off my left hand Is that going to be a problem?
2: <laughs> just turn Just turn just your turn. back
1: to them Just turn Some Yeah just like Just turn around Just rotate and just thing it Like <laughs> they'll never expect it
2: And they won't hit you from behind That would be
0: <laughs> that, that would be never. unfair And not, not cool <laughs> see if see if anyone's willing to give you specific kidney insurance. Imagine,
2: <laughs> imagine you did that in front of like Courtney Laws. It would okay. literally be like jackpot and like, he would murder you. Before like we a, get sued, I don't mean actually murder. Okay. I just mean like or, he would or really do you hard. He would hit you, you? really hard, legally. And I and I would can. and I and I would die legally. <laughs> legally die and we'd have a legal funeral and <laughs> it would be actually all your fault for turning around
1: yeah and they would say on the, on the gravestone why did he turn around what's his fucking problem
2: <laughs> here lies Tom Savage the idiot who turned around the
1: idiot who turned around what was he thinking Courtney Laws
0: because <laughs> he, he couldn't pass <laughs> off his left
1: because he couldn't pass off his left it's a very tall gravestone there's a lot written there costs a lot
0: Ch- judged by the letter um, okay, and the second one, there was a, there was a good bit of correspondence um, this week, questions and a few things on a salary cap for the URC. Now I know we sort of touched on this a while back, but I mean, like, wouldn't work. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, I mean, the thing that gets me is why would you even want it in the URC? Like, what 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 is the benefit of having it? Because the URC is a is something that is run effectively by the unions to facilitate what is the cash cow of the international game. The URC does not make money. The URC is subsidized effectively by international rugby and money from international rugby. So why are you going to limit effectively a lost leader in the URC? And when we talk about a salary cap, what people don't seem to understand is you the IRFU are going to have to drop because they would be one of the bigger spenders within this, they are going to have to drop down to someone else's level. Now, whatever level you set that at, they're still going to have to drop down.
1: Yes, and level. when
0: you, if it's the base level, you're dropping down to someone like Zebra, you know, or yeah. Dragons, right, to make them competitive. If it's the middle level, you know, what do we, you know, whatever team that is, we're, we're you're aiming at, you're still going to lose players because you cannot keep within that. You cannot keep, it's the top tier players that it'll impact because you're not going to be able to keep the likes of a Tig Ferla on a massive deal, which he is, which he is on. You know, you're not going to be able to get that. You're not going to be able to keep those top players in Ireland.
1: Three 20 kg bags of Cars pinks every week. I heard (laughs) something like that. You could sign me. I'm cheap.
2: Cheap. I'm almost free. I'm very injury prone as well. To so just keep that what? in mind, t- <laughs> I'm injury prone, but it depends who we're playing. Do you know that kind of way? Like, if yeah. if I'm against like big boys. I'm like, oh, that that's acting up again there now. Is
1: is that, oh, that Franz Malhorbe over there? <laughs> is that? Is
2: that a bit of a twinge? Is that dragons? No, I feel good. Uh, good. No, actually, do you I'm know good. what? It's actually turned. It's actually okay.
1: The hamstring's actually doing okay now. I can flex it there. We're fucking flying it, lads. No bother.
2: I'm injury <laughs> prone, but it's dependent. Depending on what, take take, you know, it's worth it's worth to throw of the dice. Who knows? Who knows? You can we'll always you can
1: you can always go off with the old twinged hammy if things go wrong. It's just like, do you know what? I know I got pumped in that scrum, but it was my fucking hamstring that's fucking
2: but, gone there again. to or gullen? What would you prefer? One tag for a or five hundred of me? It's really up to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the idea of a salary cap is just it, it like
1: it it works in England and in France because they all are in the same jurisdiction and they all have the same currency, like, and more or less the same standard of living to, to a certain extent, like, and, and cost of living too. Like if you look at Ireland and South Africa, for example, like there's a like, currency di- difference is huge. You know, cost of living is massive as well. Like it just, it couldn't work. Like, there's no real way to do it unless you kind of you, you limit the amount of central contracts that a a union can a, can, can can pay. But even then, not every all, not all the unions deal with central contracts. It's just it, it's I think it's people who are looking for a way to go. How can we limit Leinster's success? I think is the main thing that people are talking about, right? Like how do we limit Leinster from being as successful? I'm not sure a salary cap is the answer to that. I don't think I don't think it is. Like Leinster spend a lot of money. Like you you could argue that they're probably the most expensive. Uh, team. When you look at the team, they actually feel for big games like that. They're
0: one of the most expensive in Europe, if not the most. Um, well, I, th- I think if you go below that, it's the money that Leinster don't spend in the school system that actually makes them so successful. Oh, and no, you can't put a cap on that.
1: You can't put a cap on that because again, Leinster don't have to spend any money on that. Like that would exist if Leinster did nothing. Like it, th- that would still be there. But like it's just one mm. of those things where it just makes it so difficult to legislate. Like how would you across different jurisdictions like it just it's so it would be so difficult to police and it's just I can see why it would make sense in the Gallagher premiership in the top 14, but it just doesn't make make sense for the URC because it's just way too complex.
0: Well yeah I mean like if you take the Gallagher premiership for the top 14 the clubs the clubs themselves aren't owned by the unions they're owned by individuals who are effectively trying to make money and create a product. So if you want to make a return and you want to have a product that has some equality and people have a chance, different teams have a chance of winning, then you have to create something that evens out the playing field and stops one person like Saracens, one club coming in like Saracens, and just having unlimited effective money to, to pump into something that guarantees them success. So by putting in that, you create a level playing field, you create a product that is competitive and it works. But why would a union do that? Why would you limit what you can put into it when it impacts your national side? And that's what I don't get in terms of these conversations. Um, I think we'll, we'll look to wrap it up there, folks. Thank you very much for listening to our ramblings and for supporting the podcast. Please do rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen, as it really helps. And also be sure to share the podcast on social media. Also remember the Shilling uh, concerts during this uh, summer. Hope you have a good week. Your provincial team wins and the three of us will be back next week to chat again.